Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome, everyone, to this uh, glorious week leading up to Sunday, January 16th. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we'll be talking about the gospel for the second Sunday after Epiphany, which happened on January 6th. Uh, it's also the day after Fritz's first birthday. <gasps> wow. One-year-old Fritzy. That almost seems my impossible. youngest baby. Yeah. I know, right? It's what so exciting. What a crazy exciting. year. Oh, my God. Everybody, I, I hope everyone's okay at home. I hope everybody's just taking a moment right now to just just sit and not do anything. Yeah. For real. Everything is so stressful. I know. And I think that there is this... January is a season in which we all feel like we're supposed to be revisioning and planning and working towards the new best version of ourselves and creating space and room at work. And just as a reminder for all of us, we're still living through a global pandemic in a land of uncertainty. And if you want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix, you're allowed to. Seriously. And I just I was just listening to our, our episode last week putting together a soundbite and about the threshing floor and the chaff and the weed and like I was talking about like figuring out like the practices that help us clear the floor and figure out what's nourishing for us. I feel like I needed to hear that for myself today. Yeah. Because like, man, that was that is hard to do. Yeah. And just whatever you can do to have like space for your own self in this moment, we want you to do that. Don't we know sure what it do. is, but just please take a nap or something. I don't know. Well, or just go to myfaith2go.org <laughs> and org. engage with one of those myself resources. Good plug, Charlotte. Thank you. It's a new website, you week, know. Week two of the new website, everybody. Mm. We hope you're checking it out, taking advantage of those resources. We got resources for everybody, whatever you need mm-hmm. for yourself, for your family, for your community, your small group, your youth group, your Sunday school. It's all there. Uh, all reflections. Uh, the ones that are up right now will be for this sun, this gospel that we're talking about, the wedding at Cana. Uh, and so before we get into any of that, though, I need to share where I saw God this past yes, week. Yes, David, can you share with us where you saw God this week, well, either a consolation or a desolation? Thank you. I'm going to share a desolation because uh, I just had a, I just had a desolate feeling Christmas time, mm. like holiday time. And like it was, I th- you know, it's a combination of a lot of things. There's like still the underlying anxiety of COVID and... I had to cancel a, b- a big like traveling thing we were going to do to go see my family in Florida, which was ch- really hard uh, and complicated. And so like that happened and like, I don't know. I just, I felt just like everything is, I think what was hard for me in reflecting on it was how, especially as a parent with a young child who's in preschool, mm-hmm. like school's not happening for those two weeks. Right. And so it's just like, there's no rhythm. There's no like, calendar there's no agendas for life like it's not about to me it's not about like having things to do it's like having a rhythm of life that is really helpful for me so like waking up doing our things to get ready driving to school me going to my wherever i'm going to work that day and doing whatever i'm going to do going home you know being there however long i'm there having dinner you know like it's like there is something about the routine of it that is grounding to me yes and christmas to me is just so the opposite of that like mm-hmm. everything is different. There is no schedule. It's on a different day every year. It's so random. Every, my wife is a priest, so she's like, you know, doing things and like 
church, you're working at a church, so you're doing things. Everybody's doing things. There, it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. And I was just like connecting with this feeling of just like bereft. I'm just like total um, desolation, really. Just like feeling so far removed from this idea of this like joyful, restful time. It just was not that. You right. Know? But then I was thinking about Mary and Joseph and like that. Actually, what I was experiencing, I think, is really what the Christmas story is about. Yeah. Like they were they had to get up in the last moments of pregnancy, travel thousands of miles, stay in a place that wasn't their home. That really is more of an experience of Christmas for most people than the like, hey, everything's great. Let's open some presents kind of thing, you know, and like Jesus didn't even get his presents on Christmas Day. (laughs) He, He had to wait 12 days. Two years. (laughs) long time i know long time so anyway i was just feeling like that just feeling like that was my that was my god moment was like feeling in this desolation ultimately then like a connection to this the reality of christmas which is really more in line with truth than this kind of like you know commercialized like happy-go-lucky thing we talk about it like it's not that yeah it's not that it wasn't that for them like it's that's just that's just like devoid of of real reality you know it's like disconnected from reality to think that everything's gonna be great because it's christmas it's really just a time of upheaval and pain and complicated family dynamics and frustration and like if your christmas was that that's really christmas yeah you know well that was my god's ending for this past week uh and we hope you all will share what your Christmas was like, what mm-hmm. your uh, New Year was like, what your 12-day Christmas season was like maybe, and what Epiphany has been like this past week. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can always email us, faith to go uh, at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, or you can also find all those new resources, wwwmyfaith to go You can tag us or follow us on Instagram, uh, at faith to go And you can also call us, uh, Five six two three eight four seven six three eight. That's five six two F T G P O D eight. All right, and now we're going to move on to our discussion of the gospel. Uh, just Charlotte and I today. As you can tell, there's not a third guest sitting here, completely silent, except maybe the Holy Spirit. Yes, I hope the Holy Spirit's with us. And um, we're going to be talking about again this gospel for Sunday, January sixteenth, uh, the second Sunday after Epiphany. It's from John this week john chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 charlotte's going to read it and then we'll each uh, highlight a point on the third day there was a wedding in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding when the wine gave out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine and jesus said to her woman what concern is that to you and to me my hour has not yet come His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right, his disciples believed in him. Now, this is interesting, this kind of context of this story is, is interesting to me, because we're, you know, we're not in Luke's gospel, which we'd been in for a, a good amount of time. We had a, we had a, we never talked about John chapter one, because that was, that would have been the first Sunday after Christmas. Instead, we talked about the Christmas day. So this is our first foray into John this year. Mm-hmm. And the way we're on a three-year lectionary cycle and there's four gospels. So the way that John gets into the lectionary cycle of Matthew, Mark, Luke uh, is to get sprinkled in on in all three seasons. So every year we have John sprinkled in there. Uh, and this is our first taste of John in Epiphany. And so John, in year C at least. And so, so we're in the second chapter of John and there's just things things are just happening pretty quickly and really the the interesting thing is that like all that's happened so far in john is you know john 1 through 18 which is like in the beginning with the was the word the word became flesh dwelt among us and then john the baptist uh and jesus kind of have this john does a lot of like pointing at jesus and being like look at that guy over there that's the son of god that's the lamb of god take away the sins of the world and then jesus invites some disciples to follow him and then we're here. So it's just it's just interesting that this whole thing, like it starts on the third day. On the third day of what? It just says on the third day. Right. Well, it's like on the third day since John the Baptist said, hey, there's Jesus over there. Because it says that John says that. And then the next day he saw Jesus. And then the next paragraph is, this is from John chapter one. The next day John again was standing. And the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And then on the third day, which is that day, I guess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were invited to a wedding. So this is really like the third day of Jesus's public ministry, Mm -hmm. you might say. And the other just really quick thing is that like if you if you only had John's gospel, you had you would have no idea what Jesus's mother's name was because she's never named. Right. She's not named in chapter one. There's no birth narrative in chapter one of John's gospel. Uh, For all intents and purposes, her name is just the mother, mother of, of Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting um, to think about that, that, you know, Mary is, Mary is so present in this story. Yeah. But John's not, John doesn't have the same, like John's not identifying the same Mary tradition in, in that, in this gospel, you know, as the other gospels have. Right. Mark doesn't, but Mar- Mary's in Mark, just not in a birth narrative. So, it's interesting to have a gospel that's written so much later than the other ones to have no infancy narrative number one, and then not really name Mary mm-hmm. until much later. Uh, so anyway, that's the context uh, for today. And I think I have the first point. Um, but before we lead into my point, I actually want to speak to something that you just said in the context. And that is for a large chunk of my life, I have been referred to as somebody's mother. Um, it's actually one of the identities, right? Like as your children grow up, um, and I'm sure it happens to you too, that yes. you're George's dad, you get introduced, you know, like as George's dad. Um, and that I've often been introduced as Erin's mother or Karen Ray's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that I jokingly said, because my daughter Karen Ray, when she's here at Christchurch, um, her name tag lives in my office. And I was joking, because I have like three name tags. I was jokingly going to put mom next to it and wear it sometimes so that I could just be Karen Ray's mom, yeah. right? Um, so while it is interesting that John 
never names Mary as Mary, Mm -hmm. I also do think that that's almost a relatable moment that for many of us who have lived through parenting moments in our lives, that we, that part, a piece of our identity Mm -hmm. is as the mother of our child. In this case, the mother of Jesus. Right. And that's so fun. That's interesting because it's so much about context, you know, like, where am, when am I Georgie's dad? I'm Georgie's dad, and I like walk into the preschool playground to pick him up, and all the kids go, Georgie, yeah, your dad's here. Yeah. Hi, Georgie's dad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and like, but if I'm in a place where like I'm the, it's like my context, you know, then George is my son, uh-huh. right? And so it's like this is Jesus's context, maybe. It's like this that is he's at this wedding yeah. because it's like you know? we're seeing Mary through uh-huh. the lens of Jesus's life. So John's referring to as G- the mother of Jesus, yeah. you know, Jesus's mom picking them up from school. That's whatever. added context for yeah. everyone today. There you go. Um, and I think it's relevant because as I have been journeying with Mary all through Advent and in Christmas, again, what stands out to me in this one is Mary, the mother of Jesus in this, in this interaction that they have right at the beginning. And I'm thinking about it through a couple of different lenses. One of them is the lens that all of these things that Mary has been carrying, watching, observing, treasuring in her heart, I think bring us to this place. Because here she is with Jesus and his 12 disciples, and they're at a wedding, and she's hanging out, notices that there's no more wine, and turns to Jesus and says, they have no wine. It doesn't entirely make sense because, again, just as Jesus names to her in this situation, that's really not any concern of either of theirs. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're an Enneagram person, perhaps Mary is an Enneagram too, so she felt compelled to help. Um, But either way, it's not their responsibility to handle the situation. So for what reason is Mary bringing this to Jesus's attention? And for what reason is Jesus's immediate response, I'm not ready? It, my hour has not yet come that he knew that in her that her question was loaded right that that is it speaks to their relationship that he knew exactly what his mother meant when she said that for sure um, but that his response is my hour has not yet come and Mary instead of arguing with him persuading him trying to discuss it with him or just giving up instead she turns to these servants who may be wondering why these people are having this odd conversation, but turns to these servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And I find that really interesting, right? Because in this instance, Mary, who has had her child go to the temple and be gone for multiple days, and all of the different stories that we hear about Jesus in his growing up and in Mary's journey through her miraculous pregnancy and going to Bethlehem to have the baby, In all of those instances, it's all things that are happening to Mary. And in this instance, instead, it's Mary turning and taking all of those things that she's treasured and being like, yes, you are. Your hour has come. You are ready. And, and I believe in you. And she said she does it all without saying any of it. She doesn't have to say any of it. It's just in her presence and the love that flows from her um, that inspires this whole situation. And it leads me to this question that I've been pondering all week is we know that God loves us and that God has faith in us. And that comes first, right? That God loved us before we were born that and believes in us and walks with us when we are going the right way, when we are going the wrong way, but that God loves us and has faith in us. 
And so what does it look like then when we have faith in God? And not just to say that I go to church on Sunday and I say my prayers and all of those things, but what does it look like when we pour that same love and faith back into God or Jesus in this instance? Because I think that that's really what we see here is Mary's faith and love in her son, in Jesus, the Messiah, the child who she bore, pouring back out and that faith enabling this first miracle um, that Jesus performs. And I just wonder, like, it's really exciting to think about that if all of that love and faith that has been poured into us by God, if we turned around and poured that same love and faith back into God, and by pouring it back into God, perhaps that's by pouring it back into the world around us, right? Like, that's the best way to possibly do it. What would that look like? How would this world be changed if we took all of the love that we have received and poured it back out? Yeah, probably it'll lead to a lot of abundant abundance. Mm, yeah. Like it this would, wine. Yeah, the best wine. The best quality and quantity. Because <laughs> we're talking about like 180 gallons of wine. Oh, my goodness. Like 900 bottles or something. So. Well, and that's truthful, too, in this situation, right? Because mm-hmm. Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And he doesn't say, hey, bring me a cup of water. Right. It's like a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I. It, it is interesting, like, because I'm thinking, like, how much wine has Jesus, how much water has Jesus turned into wine before this for them to be <laughs> able to have like so few words to communicate what needs to happen? Yeah. Like for her to turn to Jesus and be like, Jesus, they have no wine. And for Jesus to know, like, you're asking me to turn all this water to wine? What? I know. How, like, what does she know? It's not do you know, it's what do you know, uh, Yeah, Mary. Now we're rewriting that song. That's right. Um, but yeah, I love that. I just love like, I love how simple this interaction is. That's so cool. And the way that the way like we talked with Heather Lawrence a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, Jesus is having to like claim who he is against expectations of who he's supposed to be. And like, and this is interesting to have this story where the opposite is happening that like Jesus seems to be hesitant to claim part of who he is hesitant to show this kind of, this ability that he has, this miraculous way of, sh- of changing things in the world. And Mary is the one that's creating the space, creating the container, pushing him to do it. And so that's, that's pretty cool to, think, to see that kind of reversal. And I, I also want to talk about the way kind of the miracle unfolds, but I'm interested in actually this parenthetical statement that yeah. happens here in, in verse number nine. And really, I guess, like this, the, the people who are serving uh, the wine are mentioned earlier too. And I'm just, I'm thinking about these servers, uh, at this big banquet, you know, these weddings would last like seven days. There's like a whole ritual of, of weddings in first century Judea. And so they, maybe they did need 900 bottles of wine. I mean, you know, that's like a hundred something bottles a day, but if there's a hundred people, even then, I guess it's like a lot of wine for everyone. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, um, I'm just thinking about these these servers, uh, and and the way that like and their role in the miracle, right? Because it's like it's cool that like Mary's role it's to like push Jesus, like get no, you can do it. I'm making like your time is now, and Jesus has a cool role being Jesus, you know, changing the water into wine, doing the miraculous thing. But like 
I want to talk about these stewards because I or uh, the servers because I'm like something is just like calling to me from them and like I just I love that I love their spot kind of in between you know they're in the in between place they're because Jesus isn't doing this in front of everybody right. right Jesus does it and the servers are there and then the servers bring the wine out and the steward and the bridegroom and all the people at the wedding are like oh my gosh we have more wine and it's so good but they never like turn around and are like, what happened? How did we get this? You know, um, I guess the, 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 the steward talks to the bridegroom about it, but the bridegroom doesn't know he wasn't there. And so I just love this idea that like, there's this important, that it's not just Jesus out there making the wine, turning the water into wine and giving it out to everybody. So it's kind of like, it's different. It's very different in that way from most of the other miracles, because like, you know, in the, like multiplying the loaves. It's like everybody's just kind of there and watching things happen, you know. I guess there's intermediaries in that one too, but I love how like these servers are there and they are the ones that like w- their role is to b- is to witness the miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they not even just that, but like they are the ones really doing the work of the miracle. Jesus never touches the water, Jesus never touches the wine. Jesus doesn't really do anything except be there with these people the servers and so they're the ones that are pouring the wine and it's turning or the water and it's turning into wine they're the ones that then bring the wine to the steward that like show the miraculous thing that has happened and so it's like their role is to like help facilitate this miraculous thing and then to bring it out into the world and to bear witness to Mm -hmm. this miraculous thing that's happened and that that's like a really important role you know like they don't they're not not everyone needs to be the miracle worker you know like maybe there is this really important like this thing would not happen without these people you know like there's a role for us as the witnesses yes. of god's work and there's a role for us as as then like bearers of the fruits of that miraculous work in the world to other people and so I just, I love that idea of like being the, the server, that that's a way of serving, mm-hmm. you know, that's a way of, of, of serving God in the world is to pour the water, but not have to be the one that turns it into wine Yeah, is to bring the, the miraculous, the fruits of the miracle out into the world and to, to give it to the people that need it. And so I just, I love that idea that they're there, that they have like this intricate role uh, in this miracle, you know, that almost like Jesus maybe couldn't have done it without them. Right. You know? And so Jesus is the work of God. Jesus's work in the world doesn't happen in a vacuum. He can't do it by himself. You know, I love that because it is really living into that kind of co-creating reality of how God works and moves and creates in the world. So that's our role to play. You know, I think is like to, to create the container, create the environment for, for miraculous things to happen for God's work to be done and then to bear witness to it and to bring it to, to everyone. Well, and I think that that's a, a both and for me because like, I love the idea of them witnessing and then go and tell, right? Like go and tell the world or, you know, testify to what you saw and all of that. But even if the servers don't do that, even if they don't go out into the world and tell one other person about what happened there, if what happened there changed them, changed their hearts, 
Um, then that's another important part of witnessing. Sometimes right. witnessing is about being changed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Who knows what like happened to them mm-hmm. after this? You know, maybe they were two of the disciples. Maybe they followed Jesus for the rest of his life. Who knows? You know, I I probably would have. Yeah. If I had seen this happen. Unending wine. Unending wine. That's I was going to say that. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our two points for the day. Yeah. Uh, for this week, uh, number one was Charlotte's. It was about Mary, you know, and like the fruits of that work of her holding space in her heart for these new things, this upheaval, this these challenges, and and how that grows into this ability to create space for Jesus, you know, to invite him into his ability, into his life, into his ministry. Uh, and the second one was mine, thinking about these uh, servers at the wedding, the way that they are an intricate part of this miracle, that like they are a a necessary part of this miraculous thing happening. It's not just Jesus. It's these people that probably no one was paying attention Mm -hmm. to, you know, that are so important that bear witness to the way God is moving. God moved in the world in that moment, you know, and the way that they were changed and how we can do that kind of witnessing and create the container for God's work to be done. So, Having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been. And you can't steal our partial half point about <laughs> the mother of God thing. Yes. Um, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can always email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. You can tag us or direct message us on Instagram at faith to go. You can call us 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTG-POD. Eight. And if you didn't catch that when I said it, you can go to the description of this podcast and all those ways of getting in contact with us are listed right there. Um, we would always love to hear from you. Any of your stories, questions, uh, places you saw God, comments from this week of faith discussion or reflection. We also want to make sure you go check out all the faith to go resources for this week on the faith to go website, myfaith2go.org again. We have resources for an individual person just for yourself, Mm -hmm. maybe while you're drinking your coffee in the morning or your tea or while you're having some time at night. Uh, We have questions and stories and things for your families uh, and for your your groups, for your small groups, for your church groups, for your community groups uh, to help, you know, foster that kind of uh, reflection on the gospel like we do every week with the podcast. So we'll be back next week uh, for the third Sunday after Epiphany, the gospel for uh, Sunday, January 23rd. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.